Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. So, in case you're wondering who our worship leader was today, this, uh, this guy up here, this was Ronnie, and uh, great job you did, right? Didn't you do a great job? Yeah. Yeah. Ronnie is a guy that Gabe Legaspi, our worship pastor, met through a group of worship leaders called the Likewise Worship Collective. And we've been talking about doing this for months now. Um, and Gabe has been doing all kinds of different things at the church. He's not, remember I always call him this guy? He's not just this guy. He actually does a lot of different things. And so we've been trying to figure out ways to... Um, kind of ease the burden on him and our worship team in general. And so there is uh, there, this likewise collective is kind of freelance worship leaders that kind of go out to different churches and just lead, guest lead. And so you may be seeing him around more often. Um, other guys may pop in, but it's our way of trying to lessen the burden on Gabe as well as bring in just kind of some fresh new voices here. So it is very exciting. And it's important and timely for us as well to do that, especially for Gabe and for Mike, because if you hadn't heard by now, as we've announced, after 12 years of amazing ministry here at Compass Church, I've accepted a position with our denomination, the Evangelical Free Church of America, to become what is called a district superintendent. And that means that I will be stepping aside from my position as senior pastor here of Compass Church. And we sent an email out about this. If you didn't get it, um, just we have hard copies available at the connection point. And then later on, we're going to actually remind you to maybe we might have our wires crossed on email. And the most efficient thing is just maybe write your email on the card if you're not getting our emails, and then we can update that. But you guys as a congregation will soon begin the process of selecting another senior pastor. Now, we have hired a professional search firm, NL Moore and Associates, and next Sunday, we will be opening up a church assessment survey, and you'll be getting a link, and we're asking everyone 16 years and over to participate in this. We need 273 responses in order to get a good data set, and you don't have to be a member. Um, anyone who comes here can take it, and we... Um, um, it will take about 20 to 30 minutes, I should say, for you to take it, just so you know what you're, what you're dealing with. But it's a unique transition for our church to make because you may not have ever experienced anything like this before. Because oftentimes when a senior pastor leaves, he goes to another church in a whole other area. But in this case, I'm moving into a different type of ministry altogether. So the area that I'm going to be responsible for spans over uh, seven different states. So here's a map that you can see. This is kind of how the, it's kind of a weird, the lines that they, they drew there, but there's about 200 churches in this region. And so you're like wondering, well, what are you going to be doing, Tim? Are you just getting some cush denominational job and just going to kind of around, sit around and, you know, talk to people? Well, actually what I'm going to be doing is leading a team that exists to help churches fulfill the mission of God in their communities. And that's really what they're going to come alongside and help churches. So that happens in several ways. First of all, by developing new pastors and training the existing pastors and leaders that these churches have. Secondly, helping churches start new churches. And finally, helping them discover how they can be reaching 
all of the people around them, so different ethnicities and you know dem- uh, demographics and that sort of thing. So helping churches remain effective for carrying the gospel into their community. And so it's not just Phoenix, but it's all these states that you can see. And fortunately for us, for our family, Phoenix is kind of the perfect place to live, geographically speaking, because of where it's located. And honestly, we love the desert. You know, I took my wife out of California 17 years ago. She doesn't want to go back there. Um, I don't want to go back there. You know, it's too many earthquakes and fires and taxes and all this kind of stuff. We're very happy here. And so we're not moving. In fact, Judy and our girls are still going to be a part of the church here. And uh, I, I probably will not be here, um, at least in the interim period, just to kind of give some space for the new guy to come, to, the new guy to come in. Plus, I'm going to be going out to all kinds of other churches in our district. But I wanted to share with you, this with you so you get an idea of what's happening and to let you know that our church is really in a healthy spot. This really is moving from health to health, from strength to strength. Our attendance is up over last year. Our giving is up over last year. We're about to do our largest outreach of the year on Thursday, which we need more trunks, by the way, and we'll talk about that later. But our staff is unified. Our elders are unified. And we continue to get first-time guests here every week. And if that's you, this is a perfect time for you to jump in. Because when, when things change like this, God tends to move in, in ways that you wouldn't expect. And God tends, and I think what's going to happen here is, you know, things are going to kind of shift around a little bit. And this is, a, this, when there's movement, that's, that's good. The Spirit of God is very at work in, in our lives during this time. So my last day here will be Sunday, November 24th, and I was trying to think of one more series that would help to strengthen our congregation and set you guys up on a course for success over the next six months that it's probably going to take before we identify the next leader. So the series I'm going to call is Keep the Fire Burning. And over the next few weeks, we're going to read a letter that was written to the Apostle Paul to a guy named Titus. Titus was one of Paul's leaders, and um, he actually called, Paul called him my true son in the faith. It was very likely that Titus was led to Jesus directly by Paul, and Titus got so excited about the gospel that he wanted to just kind of follow Paul around and be a part of his ministry. And so this letter is called Titus. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles to the book of Titus. And the thing I love about this letter is it's kind of like what you might call theology on the run. In other words, there's a lot of improvisation that's going on. And it's just kind of, they're making stuff up under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So Paul and Titus have gone to the island of Crete in the Mediterranean, there's a map, so you can see where that is, to visit a few churches that have been planted there and are probably just a few years old. They don't have their own building yet, you know? They're still meeting in a school or a movie theater or whatever else. So they're not like established yet. And they're only, these guys have only been Christians for a few years. And so everything is new and they're trying to figure out what to do next. And the reason that I chose the book of Titus of all the options is because one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Titus chapter 1 verse 5 where Paul says this to Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. And I kind of like that because I kind of get an insight into Paul, you know, he didn't exactly like finish everything, you know, he kind of left things undone. That's like me, like my wife gives me a hard time because I'll go into the kitchen because the only thing I make in the kitchen is I make fried eggs for breakfast every morning. 
So I make four fried eggs and I have this um, habit of leaving every drawer and cabinet open. I never shut them. So like, did you ever see the sixth sense, you know, when he like in the kitchen and all the drawers, it's kind of like it's weird, right? And all the drawers are open, like turn around and they're all open. It's kind of creepy. That's kind of what I do to the kitchen because I'm not very good at like straightening things up. I just kind of leave a mess. And so my wife always gives me a hard time about that. But I like Paul because I feel like he kind of does the same thing here too. He kicks up a bunch of things and he's like, look, I got to go. I have to go on because there's other people who need the gospel. We've done enough here. And so we, because the problem is when we think of the early church, we often think that everything was just neat and tidy, that they wore these robes, you know, that they got in the mail from Amazon, who knows where they came from. And they have these buildings just appeared out of nowhere with these domes and they have all these systems and everything and everybody just had all this protocol. But this is not what they were doing. They're literally, as I said, making it up, improvising under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And this verse kind of cracks that open a little bit. Paul's like, I have to go. You're staying here to straighten out the mess that we've made here by giving people the gospel. And now we got to kind of organize them. So from this passage, and the rest of it we're going to read today, I'm going to give us three timeless truths about our church that I think are really critical for us to understand, especially as we go into this new season. The first thing is this, that our church ultimately belongs to God. It's his church. Now, God does use people. In fact, Paul's biggest concern is that Titus finds some people. We'll see that in a moment. But he didn't feel the need to have every last detail in order because Paul trusted that the church would be led and guided and protected by the Holy Spirit. And this is so important. One of the things that we talk about with the church is when we say what, like in our Life 360 classes, if you go through those, one of the first things we teach you is we say, what is a church supposed to be anyway? And so we define it and we define it like this. We say it's the people of God gathered together for the purpose of God in order to bring glory to God. And so in other words, the church isn't a building or isn't much traditions. It's actually people who come together for the purpose of God so that God's purposes are made known so that ultimately he gets the glory. So more people know about his grace and his goodness. So if a church isn't doing that, they're not doing their job. So our presence in the community over time should mean that a growing number of people encounter the grace of Jesus and have their sins forgiven and see a radically new vision for their life, right? And so this is, and by the way, this definition is so important to us. It's, I found out it's even in the women's bathroom. It's hanging up in the women's bathroom. You're like, how do you know that, right? Well, it's not like I go traipsing in the women's bathroom, but this is what they tell me. So guys, the ladies have it all over us right now. We got to put some stuff in the men's bathroom. But anyway, it's a very important thing. So this is an important definition of the church because people don't know what it is. Now, ultimately then it's people. And also we know that the church is the bride of Christ. Which, so as much as the church can have problems, it's still the bride of Christ and Christ takes care of his bride. So God's gonna take care of his church because our church ultimately is God's church and it exists for him. So Paul is saying to Titus, look, I have to go. And so what I'm asking you to do is you need to appoint elders in every town. In other words, he's saying, you gotta get some guys. You gotta find some leaders to help move the church forward. So then what he's going to do is he's going to ask, well, what should these leaders be like? Or he's going to tell us, what kind of people should you be looking for to help be kind of the replacements for us? And so 
Again, they're improvising, and so he says appoint elders. We'll talk about what elders means, but let's look at verse six and we'll see what he's trying to say. He says, an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, very important, manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So this is the second point. So the first point is that our church ultimately is, is God's church. It belongs to him. But the second point that's timeless truth about our church is that it needs godly leaders. It needs godly leaders. So the word elder, if I could pull out the original language for a minute that it was written in, in Greek, the word elder is actually the word presbyteros, which is where we get the word Presbyterian from, right? That's how they figured that out. It's like, where did that come from? It's from the Greek word presbyteros, which means elder or overseer. Now that word is different from the word pastor. Pastor means to shepherd. But now in over 2000 years, language starts to blend and be kind of used interchangeably. So most people, when they think of a pastor, think of someone who's an overseer of a church. That's the pastor of the church. That's the guy in charge. But technically speaking, a pastor is a shepherd, which kind of makes it interesting when we start thinking about what, who can be shepherds and how that works. But the, the role of overseer is, is stated differently. It also differs from the word deacon. If you ever heard the word deacon in a church, that comes from the Greek word diakonos, which means servant. So all these roles are kind of different manifestations of, you know, things that people can do in the church. So an elder is a person who would be in charge. In fact, as we said a second ago, manages the household of God. Now, in our church, we have what are called board of elders, which is kind of like a group of guys that are, that are unpaid, just people from the church who help us oversee and kind of manage God's household. They don't set the vision per se, but they help kind of keep us accountable to it, make sure we're on track and ask the right questions and kind of are that spiritual oversight and also help protect the church from, you know, harm and those that might try to attack it or from error or that sort of thing. And so it's important that you know about about that, that that's part of our structure, especially as we move into a time of transition where you guys might be hearing from these guys a little bit more. But what's important also to see if you look at the scripture is that there, God planned for this kind of thing because it's engineered right here in the New Testament because Paul's leaving. He's telling Titus to engage and involve more people who can responsibly care for the mission of the church and the people who are a part of it. So it's part of multiplication. It's part of involving everybody and spreading the message. But just as we read then, what should these guys be like? What characteristics and qualities should they have? Well, if you look at all that, and you know, you can talk more about it in your connection groups, the various qualities. We could spend the entire time breaking those down. And I think it is, you know, there's times that it can be kind of, 
um, controversial. You know, you talk about managing your family that your kids don't go off the rails. And sometimes there's pastors or there's church leaders whose kids go off the rails. And it's, it's hard because how strictly do you hold to something like that? And what do we really mean? Can a kid go through a time where they're kind of finding themselves or exploring what they believe or coming into their own? And is that really the, that overseer's fault? Or has that overseer Create, you know, raise his family to know Jesus and has respect, but the children don't always believe. It's, it's, it's complicated because there's a lot of pastors in that situation. So, so we have to look at these qualities though. And if I think if we, if we look at them honestly and we say, is there a word that would encapsulate exactly or kind of the, the essence of what Paul is talking about that could be a good starting point over kind of a, a big overshadowing word that we could hold on to when it comes to evaluating our leaders. There's one word that comes to mind and I put it in big letters on the screen and it's this, integrity. Our leaders need to be people of integrity. Now, the principle here isn't that the person is perfect, but this is a guy who's garnered the respect of his family. There seems to be peace and order in there in his home, but it also says blameless too. Now, blameless, and he says it twice, blameless doesn't mean you, you never do anything wrong, but it does mean basically that you're above reproach, meaning that no one feels the need to go up to you and say, you know, you really have to stop doing that. Although sometimes that happens, like my wife told me, she goes, she was listening to the first service and she goes, Tim, you really need to slow down. <laughs> She's like, you were talking way too fast. So obviously you can be like corrected or whatever else, but, but there's, the idea is that there isn't some kind of major issue in your life that somebody has goes, man, you're just way out of line here. Like you have to be kind of above reproach. Now, let me just say, there's an elephant in the room um, on this whole issue, especially in today's society, because some of us are wondering, Tim, you keep saying guys, is this role related exclusively to men? Now, there's, you know, good people can differ on how you interpret all of this, and there's all kinds of books and scholarship that has been, you know, uh, um, done to dive into what does this exactly mean? We would say that when it comes to the position of elder as overseer, the, the primary leadership function of the church, we see baked into this, this description of the office of overseer or the responsibility of overseer, we see baked into that the idea of male leadership exclusively for that role. Because the church is different than any other real organization. It's not like a business. It's not like any other kind of social construct. It's unique and that it's designed to reflect the glory of God and really be a pattern even after the home. And so just as God places the responsibility of leadership in the home to the man, and we all would agree that our society would be far better if we had, in general, greater levels of godly male leadership in the home, not just for the purpose of providing financially, but for the purpose of patterning a certain way to live to young sons and daughters. The same is true in the church, and that that seems to be God's design for how he made men and women and in this organization in particular, this is the case. So that's what we would hope and strive for and expect that there would be men in the church who could rise up and assume that ultimate role of responsibility for the care of the church as well as protecting the church from bad doctrine and those kinds of things. 
But while this was not necessarily that controversial of an issue, it continues to become more controversial because there are women in our society who are doing all kinds of things more and more. Like it's no big deal to have a female presidential candidate anymore. It's just kind of a normal, or it's no big deal to have, I mean, I should say it's no big deal, but it's more common that you'd have a female even as a four-star general or you know very high up in the military or in jobs that were particularly thought of as reserved for men so in a society that keeps seeing that kind of stuff the church needs to make sure that it's not being tone deaf to trying to hone and and uh, cre- and craft the women who have leadership giftings and give them a voice and a place in the church and i'm going to tell you that that's going to continue to kind of be a moving target in terms of how that's expressed Okay, because obviously there, there are women that have fantastic gifts when, even when it comes to teaching and, and leadership and that sort of thing. So what does that look like? For here at Compass Church, there's maybe some things that you don't even necessarily know. Like for example, every week we have what we call our sermon round table where we invite you know, pretty much anyone who wants um, and, and uh, to show up at noon on Wednesday. It's around noon, depending on meetings and stuff like that, but noon on Wednesdays. And, and we, we throw the passage up on the board and then we, we talk about it. We whiteboard the passage. And most of the time, there are more women in that room than men. And they're throwing out their insights, their questions, their ideas, their thoughts. And those things get written on the whiteboard. And they oftentimes end up in the sermon as, as, as valid points to make, or at least valid ideas to explore as I'm preparing. The, the connection group questions that you get pretty much every single week are written by a woman on our staff. I don't even necessarily have any input on those. I might look them over, but she's, she does a fantastic job with that stuff. And so there are, there are lots of ways that we want to see women continue to exercise their gifting here and not shut down the voice of half of the image of God. It's very important that we do that. At the same time, we wrestle with how to model this in the right way so that we continue to leave that ultimately, ultimate leadership responsibility on men. That being said, what, what does it mean like when we talk about teaching or even having women share what their perspectives are and their insights are on scripture? You know, and so... In the same way that, that we have, that even the preaching team here speaks under the authority of, of the overseers, or, the, or in, this, in this case, me. You know, just the same way the preaching team does that. You know, is there opportunities for women to be able to come up and to be able to share their perspectives under the authority of the, the spiritual authority that we have here at the church. So these are things that we wanna continue to look at and say, are we, are we really listening to the Holy Spirit in this and being faithful to scripture? Now, What's tragic in all of this, though, is how many church leaders, overseers, lead pastors, whatever you want to call them, who are tasked with being in charge of the church have fallen way short of this, right? So now we're living in the middle of a crisis, a huge crisis of leadership when it comes to the church. Like how many of you know um, about like the Catholic church scandal, which doesn't even count us really because we're not really a part of those guys, but you know, Parallel to that, the Southern Baptists came out with a huge scandal where there were 700 victims that came forward. And those are just the ones that came forward. 700 over a period of like 20 years. That's a lot of people that said that they went through some kind of abuse, whether it's physical abuse, sexual abuse. That's a terrible thing because a church should be a very safe place. And these stories you're reading are tragic. By the way, that doesn't count the numerous instances of fraud or adultery or criminal behavior on the part of those who are supposed to have integrity. 
And every single person in this room can point to some story you know or some way you've been impacted by a failure of integrity on the part of a church leader. And that is absolutely tragic. And what you need to know is that the scripture starts out by saying, these are the things that we need to look for in our leaders. So it's not the message's fault. It's the messengers who often fail. But you can't blame the message because the actual message, the intent, is to have leaders that we can trust. And I want you to know here at Compass Church that over the past 12 years here that I've been here, we have worked very hard to try to have leaders here that you can fundamentally trust, that you can go home and you don't have to wonder, oh, I wonder what's really going on, or I wonder, you know, if this, you know, I, I'm hearing rumors or whatever else. It's like, of all the th- challenges there are to go through this life and all the challenges of just being at a church in general that's trying to make a difference in the world, the last thing that the people who attend or are part of a church need is to sit there and wonder whether their leader is actually living a godly lifestyle or not. That's not fair and it's not right. So you need to know it's very important for us that we continue to try to guard our personal godliness so that we're being faithful to our spouses, you know, that we are gently dealing with people. And I will tell you that over the years um, that I've been here, I've had to grow in areas of my life. You know, in other words, like when it talks about being gentle or whatever, I wasn't always the gentlest guy. When I first got here, I was in my early 30s. I was fired up. I was like, we're gonna take the hill. And I know sometimes I'd kind of lob grenades in my sermons and I'd, I'd say things that just to kind of, because I was passionate about stuff, or I'd throw some kind of political grenade or I'd say something else that was just designed to kind of rattle people a little bit. And you know, I, I think it wasn't that big of a deal necessarily at the time, but it hurt people. You know, and I didn't, I didn't it wasn't like I, I caused this big giant, you know, scandal about it, but I realized over the years, just as you grow up, and those of you guys that are getting older, you know, you kind of need to mature a little bit. And the church, this church gave me the, the mercy and the patience to mature as a leader so that I could hopefully become somebody that could continue to have credibility and integrity in how I lead. And the next person that comes in is going to need a little space to do that as well. So we're not going to be perfect. We need the space to grow as leaders because it's, it's not an easy job, but at the same time, we absolutely should be expected to be held to a standard that you can trust. Now, here's the thing, though. It's no secret that especially among many younger adults, there's a lack of trust in any organizational leadership, right? And there really is. It's like that old saying, don't trust anyone over 30. Have you heard that? Don't trust anyone over 30. Some of you guys, you young people are like, yeah, that's right. Don't trust anyone over 30. Well, that works out great until what? Until you turn 30. And then you're like, hey, wait a second, you can trust me. No, you're old now compared to the younger people, right? You're like, you're part of the, you're in the system, man. You're part of the problem. And there's a great mistrust that the young have of the old. And that's that's increasing, I think, as they see people in positions of power that are abusing their power. And it is somewhat understandable that people would get cynical, especially of church leaders. But here's where I want to turn the tables on you. And here's really where we're getting to. And this is the third point in the three timeless truths about our church. Because not only is it God's church and he's going to ultimately take care of it so we don't depend on any one person in general but but at the same time we need godly leadership but here's the third thing and here's where I'm going to poke you a little bit is the godly leadership needs to come from within 
In other words, when Titus was tasked to find overseers to lead these churches, where did he go? He went to the churches themselves to find those people. That's where they came from on Crete. It was an island. They couldn't import them from other places. They weren't just, you know, like showing up by osmosis out of nowhere. They had to be found on Crete. So, you know, you can imagine, you look at all the qualifications of husband of one wife and that sort of thing. And there's all, you know, and Timothy talks about that. You know, you can be married. So, so you can imagine, he gets a group of these guys together and he's like, all right, look. We need overseers for this church. So how many of you guys are married to one woman, right? Just one woman, okay? Okay, you, 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 you guys, okay. Um, the rest of you guys have multiple wives. I don't know what to tell you, but you can't be a part of this church leadership thing because you can't unscramble those eggs. You know, you, you made that decision, but that's not really what we're looking for. And besides, you got more than one wife. You're probably very busy anyway. Um, so go live your life and, uh, you know, you're, you're in the, you're, you know, when you have multiple wives, you're always in the doghouse with somebody, you would think, right? It's just, not, I don't think it'd be an easy job. So he, those guys are kicked out of the room. They're not kicked out of the church. They're just, sorry, guys, you can't be here like you have multiple wives. So, okay, you guys are all married to one woman. You're one woman man, right? You're not sleeping around. And okay, you got good. Okay. How many of you guys are getting wasted on Friday nights? Oh, I do. Okay, okay, okay. Well, listen, um, love you guys, but that's not really what we're looking for either. So you guys go and maybe, you know, work on that, come back in a year and we'll talk, but you guys have bigger issues. Okay, now we've got a smaller pool. Okay, now how many of you guys um, are like, you, you have issues with anger and stuff, like you're flipping people off on the 10 freeway because they cut you off and everything. And yeah, I do that sometimes, man. Okay, and you, yeah, I'm having a hard time with that. Okay, why don't you, we don't, we don't really want, we'll, again, work on that, come back later. Okay, how many of you guys, let's see, good reputation. So, um, let's, I've been looking at some social media posts here. Uh, I don't like that, I don't like that. So you three guys, um, come back later when you figure out how to be more cordial on social media. And now we're left with like a pool of guys that seem to be not perfect, but they kind of have it together more than the others. Doesn't mean they're, but in terms of just their overall godliness and their testimony and their reputation in the community and the way they lead their families. Okay, you guys, all right. You guys, I'm gonna have you guys be the ones who oversee the spiritual condition of this church and move it forward. You're managing God's household. The Holy Spirit's your boss. I'll be back to check up on you later. Goodbye. And there you go. Church leadership, baby, right? And so he's going to remind him of the gospel to make sure that the crazies don't come in because it talks about sound doctrine. And, and by the way, where does doctrine get attacked the most? It doesn't get attacked from the left as much as it is from the right. In other words, our struggle as a church is going to be less, is less about people coming in from the, the left going, oh, you know, stop believing that Jesus is the only way to God and stop believing that Jesus actually rose from the dead. We can deal easily with those guys. It's the people on the right that we have the problem with, the ones that are trying to sneak in extra rules and regulations in order for you to be right with God, right? Well, you, you're a Christian, but if you really want to be holy, you have to, you have to educate your kids this way and you have to dress this way and you have to make sure that you're not listening to this type of music, right? Those are the people that kill the church because they're the circumstances circumcision crowd. They're like, yeah, you're saved, but you still got to get circumcised. And that's what all the whole books of the Bible are written about that because the, the Jewish believers are coming in and try to sneak that stuff in. And they were just bitter because they got circumcised and they want to see these other guys squirm and, you know, go through all this pain. 
But whatever, that's my opinion. But they honestly thought you have to be holy because Jesus' blood shed on the cross is not enough. So we're always fighting doctrine from that, false doctrine from that side, much more than the other side. We're not worried about going liberal because that's not really where we're bent. Our bent is learning, is, is becoming more legalistic and sneaking that stuff in. So they have to guard against that. So if you guys can do that, then you, the gospel will move forward. So that's what we're talking about. Now here's the thing. Fast forward to today. Where are those people going to come from? In our church. You know where the answer is? From you. And I'm not just talking about the office of, or the responsibility of eldership. I'm talking about all types of leadership. Connection group leadership, women's ministry leadership, student ministry leadership, children's ministry leadership, all kinds of leadership. When we do outreach and we do all kinds of things like we're doing with the block party and leading teams that are a part of that. And when we reach out with, with, uh, with city reach and these kinds of things that we, that we do to help the community with inside out. We need people that other people can look at to be more like Jesus. And where are they gonna come from? They're not going to get imported in from some other place. They come from us. And here's where I really am going to really turn the tables on you. Because for those of us, and I really mean this, those of us who are cynical about leadership, who are cynical about, you know, what the, the people that are making the decisions, like, ah, those guys, they're all frauds, and you can't trust anybody. You know, if that's you, here's my, here's my honest challenge to you. At what point... Do you stop living your life always trying to um, point the finger at a failed leader or a failed group of leaders? At what point do you stop being suspicious of anyone in a position of power or leadership and start asking yourself, could I be the type of person that someone else could look at and trust to be more like Jesus? At what point do you make that shift from, you know, wounded person who has been duped by bad leaders to actually maybe becoming a leader yourself? And I don't even necessarily mean an elder. I just mean someone that someone else can look at while they're trying to become more like Jesus. Someone who has the trustworthiness and character to stand up and say, if you watch my life, you actually might get better in your quest of surrendering everything to the Lordship of Christ. And see, that's a huge shift that many of us have to make in our minds. You can go through your whole life being mad or being cynical or sitting back and like, I don't know, it's not my problem. And these guys, they don't know what they're, and be mad at that. Or you can get, just give up on that and say, you know what? We still need godly leaders. Why can't I be one? And I think that's a significant question because the, lead, the next elders of our church in the future are going to come from in here. And the next elders aren't even gonna be in this room. You know where the next, did you want me to scare you? I'm gonna scare you. You know where the next leaders of Compass Church are right now? They aren't even in this room. They're in the rooms around here. They're in the children's ministry. And I don't mean the children's ministry volunteers. I mean the actual children. They're the ones that are gonna be leading this place. And they need someone to look at to know how to act. They need someone to look at that has credibility in terms of who Jesus is so that they can carry the mission forward themselves. There isn't a single person in our staff or leadership who didn't have someone that they could pattern their lives after when they were younger. And I myself am no different. Did you know that two weeks ago, you don't even know this, in the second service, 
When I woke up on Sunday morning, I had this guy send me a message. He's my youth pastor, my, my junior high youth pastor from 33 years ago. 33 years ago. He says, hey, Tim, he's an airline pilot and he's like this amazing, he flies all over the world. He actually is, flies for a Chinese airline and he flies all over the world though. He's a crazy guy. And he's done everything. He's like one of these dudes that's like done all this mountain climbing and, he, and he's just a crazy guy. But uh, done all these triathlons. And he says, hey, he says, I am gonna come because his daughter is going to GCU. So I'm gonna drop her off or, and hang out with her, but I wanna come to your church. So he, two weeks ago, he's sitting in the second row, right here, second row. It's kind of weird, right? But afterwards, you know, I see him and I introduce him to, and he knew Judy, but he, I introduced him to my daughters. My daughters never met him before. And so he introduced, and he says, he says to my daughter, he says, did you know that when your dad, because my youngest is 12, when, when your dad was your age, right, 12 years old, this, he was crazy. Because I was a middle school student, right? He goes, I, all I remember about your dad was we had this, this youth room we met at Cal State University Northridge because it still the church didn't have his building yet, but it was growing very fast. And we met in this in this room that had these big glass walls. He goes, and I remember your dad. We were just hanging out, and he picks up this this carpet block square made out of wood, this big thing you'd sit on. He picked it up and he threw it into the glass wall. And he shattered all of this glass, and like there was like other like the church staff was standing there talking and like and it's like and everyone stopped and like. What, what is wrong with this kid, you know? Because he says, your dad was out of control. He just had no filter, you know? He was like a wild, squirrely. And he goes, I can't believe that he's doing this now, you know? But he remembered, that's what he remembered me, is I was the guy that shattered all this glass in, a, in, this, in this room where our student ministry met 30 some years ago. Now, if he had just said, you know, this guy's crazy. I mean, he was probably back then going, God, why did you put this kid in my student ministry, right? Why did you do that? But then look at where I am today. And there's people right now that you're looking at going, man, what is this guy doing here? And he's running around and maybe they dress like idiots or they act like idiots, you know? And they're like, this guy's an idiot. But you don't know that God's got his hand on that person's life. Some of you in high school, you're in high school right now, you don't realize you're gonna be an elder at this church one day. You could be on staff one day. You're in your 20s. Could be the same thing. Those of you in your 30s and 40s on up, you might you need to start thinking like, because once you get to your 30s, you start realizing there's people that are like a decade younger than you that are well into their adult life and they're starting to make decisions about marriage and everything else, and they need someone to look at who they can just basically fundamentally trust. And that needs to be you. It doesn't, need to, it doesn't mean that you have to lead some great movement, but these are principles here for all of us. And so what I'm telling you is that where are these things going to be found? They're going to be, where are these people going to be found? They're going to be found from among us. They have to be. They have to be. So we need to become a kind of church. So for some of us, that means, you know what? If you ever had a motivation for leaving behind your alcohol or leaving behind your porn addiction or leaving behind just a lethargy in your spirituality, this should be the reason why. Because I really believe this. I really believe that my role as a lead pastor of this church for 12 years has kept me out of all kinds of trouble. And you know why? Because there's been times I've been tempted with stuff and I'm like, well, is there any reason why I shouldn't do this? And you know what? If there was no other reason, there'd always be one big one, and that is you guys. How could I do this and look you in the eye? I can't. And so, you've kept me out of trouble. And you know what? You've deepened me spiritually because you forced me when I didn't want to to go back to the well because every seven days, I gotta figure out something, somewhat of substance to tell you guys. 
And I don't just have it rolling around in my head all the time. I mean, I wake up on Wednesday and I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm really in for it now. And then by Saturday night, Sunday morning, I got something, right? But it has to go through me before it gets to you. This stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. And the same thing with you. If you want to grow in your spiritual life, try leading somebody else. Seriously. You want to grow. Same thing I think. People come to this church, they go, like I have people go, well, uh, you know, I like to be a leader. Oh, great. Love for you to be a leader. So um, we have positions to, to you could serve in the, in the um, children's ministry because we need our, we talked about that. Uh, ushers, be a friendly face. Greeters, be a friendly face, right? Help set up stuff. Help Zach, um, our, our, one of our guys that helps all this stuff, help just do things around to help make things happen. Be someone, and they go, no, 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 I want to be a leader. Right, That's, I heard you. So, so we have opportunities to serve in, in all these various areas. Student ministry, they could definitely use someone to, yeah, but I want to lead. Right, are you getting my point? Okay, you keep saying lead, I keep saying serve. Why? Because if you want to lead, the fastest way to leadership is through service. And that's how I did it. I mean, like I said, I was not a very uh, good kid, but then when I finally started getting things together and I started saying, you know, I think this gospel thing actually makes sense. And uh, I, I compared it with the way everyone else was, was uh, all the other ideas out there that I thought were stupid. And I'm like, this Jesus thing makes sense to me, so I wanna help this cause. So I just go, hey, what do you guys need? Can I help you? Can I show you? Yeah, show up early. You can help clean some stuff up. You can help. And so I did all kinds of stuff, you know, just serving. And then pretty much at some point, it's like, hey, Jacobs, he used to be an idiot, but now he shows up early, he's there on time, and he does what he says he's gonna do. I think we can entrust him with some stuff now because we need some help. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're just, you're just somebody that people feel like they can depend on. So if that's you, I want you to know that you can go to compasschurchaz.com slash adults slash serve. It's a terrible link, I'm sorry, that's my fault. But, um, that's the only, but go there if you wanna actually take this thing on and become somebody, because what we're gonna need here is we're gonna need not people to vanish into the shadows during a time of transition, but actually step forward and be excited about what God's gonna do and say, you know what, I'm here, you can count on me. And so the easiest thing to do is to go to that website and just volunteer for something in there and then we can get in touch with you and you can start being, being somebody that can start going down this path of really what it amounts to some form of leadership. And you know, again, you don't have to be a leader to do this. It's just about giving of yourself and becoming someone that ultimately other people can trust. So the, the, here's the thing. When the next leader is identified, he and his wife, most likely be married, is going to need to be approved by you. So the membership. So if you're a member, you will say, yeah. So they'll be vetted, their character will be vetted by our search team, and that person will be presented to you, and you will have the opportunity to say yes or no. The question though, because I'm not worried about that part. What I'm worried about is when this person gets here, what kind of people are they, is, is he gonna find? Is he gonna find people who are like, we're ready. We're ready. You can trust us. You can count on us because we got a whole community to show about the grace of Jesus, right? We have a whole community to continue to reach. We have relationships to build. And again, it's not about proselytizing. It's about out of joy sharing with someone what you yourself have found because there's nothing better in the world than Jesus, man. And that's why you're excited. And so we have, so God brings in a leader for whoever that person is. Maybe they'll come from within. Maybe they'll come from that. I don't know. We'll figure it all out. But there'll be an objective standard that we'll have. And then once we figure that out, the leading of the Holy Spirit will guide us. We'll present that person to you, whoever it is. And guess what? Now, you have the opportunity to run into the future, but this person is, finds people who are ready. Who will be those that he can trust to step up and go shoulder to shoulder into this beautiful mission field that we have? 
So is God calling you to step up? I'm gonna invite our, our band to come out and lead us in a song of reflection. And I want you to think about this because the saddest thing is to go through your life and think that God could never use you to actually be very, very significant in the church and in the kingdom. And, and, and there are people out here that God, that, that God is calling and you never thought it was you. But there's some of you that God is whispering to right now and you're going, you know, and, and God is calling you to live with a greater level of dependency on him and to live in such a way that other people could look at you and be more like Jesus because they pattern their lives after you. That you become kind of an anchor, that you become an apologetic. In other words, you become a reason for someone else to believe and to hold on to their faith. And that's what I'm asking and challenging each one of us to do. God, there are people in here today whose first step needs to be to just place their trust in you. Because they believe that you can do more with their life than they could ever do on their own in a million years. So I pray if there are those in here today who need to surrender to your grace and your mercy. Repent, to turn away from sin, to, to look at a list of qualifications like that and say, God, I wanna be someone that others can look to. I wanna be that in my family. I wanna be that among my friends. I'm tired of being the one that drags everyone down. I'm tired of being the one that is unreliable. God, free me from that. Perhaps the next elder is being raised in your home. Perhaps the next leader is the one you look at in the mirror when you open your eyes in the morning. But it's all because of your grace, God, that we come to you humbly and we say thank you that in your great mercy, you don't just redeem us, but you engage us, you enlist us in your mission. You could do it without us, but you choose not to do it without us. And so we thank you for that. And I pray as we sing this song, God, that we would be reminded once again of why we are here in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.